This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. It's Wednesday, January the 27th, and we've got a bit more info from the PM today on when schools might reopen. Now, they're closed to all children but those of key workers a day after the Christmas break, and today Boris Johnson confirmed all pupils won't be going back until March the 8th at the earliest. He's been updating the Commons on plans for easing the third national lockdown. Well, first, let's hear a bit of what he had to say earlier. I know how frustrating that will be uh, and will be uh, for pupils and teachers who want nothing more than to get back to the classroom and for parents and for carers who spent so many months juggling their day job. So to get reaction to this from a homeschooling mum, let's speak to My Kent Family editor, Lauren Abbott. So Lauren, at least another month or even more than a month of homeschooling. How's that made you feel today? Um, I think it's nice to um, finally hear what the government does have in mind. I The sounds that were coming out of Downing Street to February half term, I think people had resigned themselves to the fact that that wasn't going to happen. So I think it's at least nice to have some sort of... Um, route map out I'm not entirely sure that I am convinced it will be March the 8th I think the at least probably means we'll be into some sort of staggered or tiered rollout system um so I I won't be getting my hopes back that you know I'm I'm counting down to days that I'm going to cross off on the calendar but um hopefully it's the start and if not by March then by middle of March end of March but but hopefully it won't be the May or June that I probably initially feared. As you say, it's nice to have some kind of idea because previously we've had literally a day's notice before um, children were back at home and homeschooling. How have you found it since, well, they went back briefly after the Christmas break for all of a day and then they've been back at home. How has it been for you guys? It's been far more difficult this time around, which I think um, is a combination of the weather and um, homeschooling fatigue on everyone's parts. Um, but yes, it has inevitably been more difficult. Um, there's a bit more pressure, I feel, on parents now. There seems to be a little bit more work coming from school because I think the pressure is on them to provide a, a really comprehensive home learning um, programme, whereas perhaps last year it was very much more of a sort of do what you can when you can. Um, but the pressure is on parents. The subjects are new to my children in many instances now um when we were learning last spring it it was a lot of recapping and a lot of things that they were going over that they already had some idea of but in a lot of cases particularly with maths and english it's been things that that they don't know that they're relying on me to teach them or sort of you know help them understand so it, it inevitably has been a lot more tricky than it was last spring this is going to be another two months at least of them homeschooling how concerned are you despite that extra work they're having to do this time around that they won't be at the same level as other children of their age would have been say a couple of years ago for example I don't think they will be um and I think that as a parent we just accept that um I think I'm probably quite lucky in that the kids have have tried to to work hard and have been able to uh, complete most of the work that's been set for them. Um, So I think if you've got children that haven't been able to, for whatever reasons, you know, short of devices or internet access, then, you know, they're at even a a greater disadvantage than than even mine are. You know, we're blessed with enough devices that we can share around. We haven't all got laptops. They're not sitting here on sort of flash Chromebooks or anything. We've got a couple of old iPads that we're sharing around. 
but we're managing we do have access to the internet that is that doesn't falter so I think you know they are going to be behind children who've gone in previous years but they'll be amongst a, a class of you know of every child that will be behind and I suppose unlike a child that would dip out through some sort of you know awful serious illness or incident they're in a group of 30 where everybody will be in the same boat so hopefully the school will be able to remedy that. Obviously, we've had an update today from the Prime Minister, but certain things still haven't been confirmed. Things like the Kent test, for example, which I know you will be particularly keen to, to hear about because that's something one of your children could potentially be doing ne- or later on this year, isn't it? Yeah, Oscar's nine. He's in um, year five. So that will be a consideration for us um, to sort of towards the, the spring as to whether we put his name down or not. Um, and there's in secondary school, I think choices in general. Will we be doing that? virtually do we pick you know based on on how we think that the pandemic will go are we likely to be able to go and walk around secondary schools towards the start of the next term or will we still be in a situation where that would have to be done remotely um again I think I'd tell myself that he just like every other year five pupil if he goes in to sit that test in September or October then I think he'll be in the same boat as all of the other children to a certain extent, I mean, of course, what I don't know what other schools are setting. Is he completing less work than other year five pupils? Is he doing more work than other year five pupils because his school send a really comprehensive timetable? That I can't be sure about. Um, I know there's been calls that um, the Kent test should be looked at this year in terms of the mechanics or whether they maybe contribute with a head teacher's assessment or, um, you know, it's part test and part some opinion from the school we're just going to have to wait and see still quite a few unanswered questions then but as far as you're concerned you're not going to be ticking down the days just yet it's uh it's carry on as you are i think it has to be i think we've fallen into this trap haven't we so many times of expecting that it's going to be a certain way or finish in a certain way and it and it doesn't happen and you know managing their expectations this time around has had to be key they are homeschool fatigued they are fed up with it and as much as they're trying to do the work here and there they don't want to be doing it from home anymore and they definitely don't want me to be their teacher so um, I don't want to tell them it will be March the 8th I mean yes secretly I'll probably be looking at the calendar and listening out around that sort of time to see if Kent says that its primary schools can go back but I think to um you know to put that that banner on the calendar would be um, would be a little bit silly. I mean, Oscar's birthday is the end of March. He had his first, he had his birthday last year in lockdown. If we could get him back by this birthday, I think that would feel like a, a real win um, and because at least somebody could make a fuss of him that wasn't me. Um, but we'll have to just wait and see. Kent Online reports. More from the Commons now, and Boris Johnson has confirmed plans for a mass vaccination centre to be set up in Medway. It was responding to a question from Gillingham and Raynham MP Raymond Chisty at Prime Minister's Questions. Here's their exchange. Can I thank the Prime Minister and the Government for all their hard work in these difficult and challenging times with regards to the delivery of the COVID-19 vaccination? However, my constituents in Gillingham and Raynham and the wider Medway towns would like me, as their Member of Parliament, to raise their real concerns with regards to the availability of the vaccine in our local towns. We have constituents who are in their 80s, in their 90s, who have not yet had the vaccination. And Medway was one of the hardest hit areas in the country, and the mutant variant was discovered in Kent. And North Kent has some of the highest health inequalities in the country. Can the Prime Minister please ensure that we have the mass vaccination centre in Medway? Prime Minister. Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, I... I 
share my honourable friend's uh, sense of uh, frustration about the, the pace of the vaccine rollout in, in spite of the fact that we have the fastest rollout anywhere in uh, Europe. It is entirely right that a constituency uh, MP should want to see uh, more done as fast as possible. I can tell him uh, that we've uh, vaccinated uh, more than 80% of those over 80 across the, uh, the country, and uh, in, in, we are looking certainly at a large-scale vaccination centre uh, near him. And in his immediate vicinity, uh, we have done 127,000 uh, vaccines already, Mr. Speaker, providing the hope of long-term immunity uh, for the people of Medway and, and Gilliam and Raynham. Well, the Kent Online podcast has taken a look inside Kent's first large-scale coronavirus vaccination centre. The site in the former Debenham store in Folkestone Town Centre is hoping to eventually give the jab to 3,000 people per day. Paul Bentley is the chief exec of the Kent Community Health Foundation Trust. He's been talking to us about how it all works. So we operate through what we call pods, uh, and in each pod we vaccinate just over 500 people. By the middle of this week, we'll have two pods operational, so we'll have a 1,000 people a day being vaccinated. And in the next few days, we'll start to build up and build up to get to that 3,000 people per day. From the time that you are checked in, and what we do is that we ask you to, to declare some of your medical history to go through a consent process. You then move very rapidly to be vaccinated, and you leave. We're looking at about 15 minutes from top to tail. Um, everybody who I've spoken to has come through has been incredibly grateful to receive the vaccine. I think it genuinely is a life-changing thing to have the vaccine. And it's a very, very positive but very calm atmosphere that we're seeing this morning. Other developments around COVID today and there are going to be new border restrictions for UK nationals and residents arriving back from certain countries. They'll be required to isolate in government-provided accommodation, including in hotels, for 10 days. It's thought people infected with a new coronavirus variant that was discovered in Kent are less likely to report losing taste and smell as a symptom. But a study by the Office for National Statistics found other signs, including a cough, are more common. Bosses in Medway have been accused of cashing in on COVID ahead of changes to funeral services. From March, it's understood services at the council's crematorium in Bluebell Hill will be cut down to a maximum of half an hour, costing £710, which is the current price for an hour slot. Well, Medway Council's Assistant Director of Frontline Services has said it still remains cheaper than other crematoriums in Kent and the change is temporary. And the Archbishops of Canterbury and York want everyone to join in a prayer for the nation at 6pm each day from the 1st of February. We're being encouraged to take a moment to remember those who've lost their lives to coronavirus. More than 100,000 people in the UK have now died within 28 days of contracting COVID-19. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Virtual events have been taking place in Kent today to mark Holocaust Memorial Day. The annual event is to remember the millions of Jews killed by the Nazis and others who've lost their lives in genocides around the world. This day marks the anniversary of the liberation of the largest Nazi-run death camp at Auschwitz in 1945. You can also find details of events that have been taking place at kentonline.co.uk.
An X-ray body scanner has been installed at a Kemp prison to check inmates for concealed objects like mobile phones. It's part of a £100 million investment in security and has been described as a game-changer in stopping prisoners smuggling in illicit items like drugs and weapons. Swaleside on the Isle of Sheppey is one of 28 prisons to get the tech. Nearby Elm Lee received one last year. Residents in Sevington near Ashford say they're at breaking point due to chaos caused by confused truckers who are struggling to find a new Brexit lorry park. They say their village has been inundated by HGVs trying to find the 66-acre facility nearby. Head to Kent Online to see some pictures of damage caused to local gardens. Now, this is a fascinating story. Experts at Canterbury Cathedral say they're delighted to be able to loan an entire stained glass window to the British Museum. It'll be the centrepiece of the first ever major UK exhibition on Thomas Beckett, who was murdered in the cathedral 850 years ago. The window tells stories of miracles attributed to Beckett after his death. Leonie Seliger is Director of Stained Glass Conservation at Canterbury Cathedral. She's been chatting to Jamie. The exhibition really was um, triggered by the 850th anniversary of the murder of Thomas Beckett last year. So it was, of course, it was supposed to start in 2020 and then something else happened. <laughs> so we had to postpone. Um, and when um, when the British Museum then requested the loan of this window, we deliberated quite a long time over, over this, but um, we decided that it was going to be safe enough to remove and send to, uh, to London. These windows, even though they are over six meters uh, tall, they are made in sections and they're set into very elaborate metal frames. Uh, so it is possible to remove them safely if you have the skill and the, the patience and the knowledge to do it. It requires scaffolding, of course, and um, quite a lot of hands. How long do you think it's going to take? What's the plan? How, how long do you think that's going to take to transport? It's going to take us a sorry. It's going to take us about a week to to pack all the panels in their custom-made uh, boxes and crates, and then they'll travel up to London, and then will be installed in the uh, exhibition frames there. That should take us no longer than a week or two. Are you going to be having a look at the exhibition itself? Are you going to be, be visiting, if it's, if it's possible, in April to go and have a look? Well, I hope to be part of the team that installs the, the panels in the exhibition. And, oh yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing that exhibition. It's full of the most amazing loans from all over the world. Uh, very, very special objects. And of course, to see the window at eye level, which I never get to see either. Uh, you know, that's going to be a real treat. And are there any other items being transported from Canterbury up to London at all? Uh, the museum in Canterbury is loaning the only piece of um, of marble from Thomas Beckett's shrine that is known to exist. So that's very special to see. And there are some items from our archives that are also going up to the exhibition. And how important is the exhibition in terms of Canterbury's history and, and you know, getting people involved uh, in the story as well? Well, I hope that the exhibition in London will bring people to Canterbury, of course, because we've got six more of these amazing windows, plus a lot more medieval glass. Canterbury Cathedral is an absolute treasure house of the most exquisite, beautiful medieval glass that you can possibly see in Britain. Chartres Cathedral, you know, has, has nothing on us. 
<laughs> it's as good, if not better, than anything you can see in France. I think what's really important to remember about Thomas Beckett is not only that he represented an alternative vision of power um, in opposition to the power of the state. You had a different house, so to speak. You know, you've got a division of power. And that is always a fraught uh, experience. And the power struggles have not changed. We are still living through those now. The other element, of course, is that Thomas Beckett was known as the healer. He was Europe's most popular healing saint. And it couldn't be more perfect than in having a healing saint on show in the middle of a pandemic. The exhibition is due to open at the Museum in London in April and stay listening to the podcast right at the very end. We're going to have more from Leone telling the story of Thomas Beckett. Residents in Dover claim they'll end up living in a goldfish bowl if plans to build a block of flats are given the go-ahead. Developers want to set up 40 apartments of up to four storeys at Coombe Valley Road, but those against it say it would tower over their homes and it's too close to a dangerous junction where a woman was killed in a crash. Livingston Homes, who are behind the plans, say within a town centre, society uses less cars. One of Kent's oldest pubs is undergoing a £100,000 refurb before relaunching later this year. The 15th century Abbott's Fireside in Elam near Canterbury has been bought by a millionaire businessman. It's hoped the work will be finished by April. And bosses of a mini railway are urging us to keep off the tracks following a rise in trespassers. Romney Hyth and Dimchurch Railway is of course currently closed due to COVID-19 restrictions but staff there say people walking across the tracks is still dangerous as maintenance trains are still running. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham secured a pretty big win at Priestfield last night after beating Crew Alexandra 4-1. The Jules went into half-time 3-0 up before adding a fourth after the break to move them up to 12th in League One. Speaking after the game, assistant boss Paul Rayner said his players executed their game plan to perfection. They passed us off the park at... Uh... At their place earlier in the season, and we were very fortunate to come away with a victory. But uh, you know, we decided, you know, when we went up there, and we decided we decided to sit a little bit deeper when we went in the away game, uh, try and get a low block in place. But we turned that on its head today. We told the boys we wanted to press a lot higher, try and stop it at source, and the intensity in which we did that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean that that was the plan, and, and to be fair, the guys, you know, they did it to a T. You know, sometimes you can put these plans in place. The guys don't quite understand it. The guys don't quite, you know, realise what you want them to do. But but it but it absolutely worked to a T. And we forced we forced you know a good team into making mistakes in difficult areas of the pitch. And we we took full advantage of, of it when we did. And, and and it was fantastic. It was it was really intense. The pressure you know from the likes of you know getting somebody like Jordan Graham you know who was in a bit of an unfamiliar role for him tonight. I mean he can't play. He has played up there before, but. Uh, I think when the team sheet went in, I don't think anybody would have would have you know guessed the shape and guessed the personnel and how it would have shaped up. But uh, you know we were brave. You know we, we didn't just sit in and, and let them have possession. We went after it early and we turned it over and, and we were clinical as well, which was nice. You know there's no easy games in this in, in this division, but uh, you know crew I think were, were ten unbeaten something like that. Um, you know we've watched a lot of their previous games and and they're a lively outfit. I think they showed that in the first five seconds of the game. You know, it was, you know, it was a great move, and we were a little bit fortunate not to go behind early on. But uh, you know, delighted with with the way the boys, uh, well, where the boys, you know, pressed the game. 
the quality of us, you know, a bit of composure in possession as well. And I thought it was a great all-round performance. The Jills are next back in action on Saturday when they make the long trip to Sunderland. Now, as promised, let's hear again from Leonie Seliger, who's Director of Stained Glass Conservation at Canterbury Cathedral. As she was mentioning earlier, they're loaning an entire stained glass window from the cathedral to the British Museum for an exhibition on Thomas Beckett. Well, if you don't know who he is... This is his story. Well, Thomas Beckett was um, a, a little bit of an upstart, I suppose. He had a good education, but he didn't come from a grand family. And he was made chancellor by Henry II. And the two, the king and the chancellor got on famously. They kind of shared interests and um, Beckett was a very active man. Um, and when the post of Archbishop of Canterbury became vacant, Henry II thought, ah, excellent, I'll get my friend um, Thomas to, you know, fill that post, thinking that the most powerful cleric in, um, in the kingdom would be essentially on his side. Um, and um, surprise, surprise, Thomas Beckett suddenly switched allegiances. He basically said, I am God's man now, not yours. That didn't go down too well with Henry II, and um, it uh, culminated in first Thomas Beckett having to flee the country, and then after a slightly fraught reconciliation, um, he returned to Canterbury um, and upset Henry II again. <laughs> So Henry said something rather rash. He said, "Will nobody uh, free me of this or rid me of this troublesome priest?" And um, several of his knights thought, "Ah, this is an instruction to murder Thomas Becket." Now they went to Canterbury. They did the deed. They actually murdered the archbishop at the altar in the act of saying mass. Um, it was a horrendous, extremely brutal murder blood on the floor mixed with brain, um, the force of the, uh, of the sword that actually separated the top of the skull from the rest of the head, broke the sword. So um, you can imagine a country in shock, certainly uh, a cathedral in shock and all the monks. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.